Okay, so my what's happening is that I'm sitting here getting ready for my show tomorrow morning, and that is involving me scanning and kind of mapping out what I'm going to talk about tomorrow morning, which is all Trump stuff with his the Trump DC case, and we're going to go over the motion to compel discovery. But while I'm doing that, this I got an alert from Court Listener that this just dropped from uh, the Seth Rich FOIA case. Now the Seth Rich FOIA case. Um, goes back to June 1st of 2020. And I've been following it since sometime in 2021. I I think maybe the winter of 2021. So I've been following it for two years or so. And um, as you can see right here, there hasn't been any filing in this case since September 1st. There's been a long gap. And I've covered stuff on here before. I think the last time I covered this case was because of this. Um, It was uh, that uh, Ty Clevenger, the attorney for Huddleston, the plaintiff here, who is Huddleston is suing Brian Huddleston. He's suing the FBI in this FOIA case to get information about the Seth Rich laptop. The contents of it is what he wants. He wants everything the FBI has related to the Seth Rich laptop and the investigation. The last time I covered this was way back at the end of summer because the Durham report was filed in this case um, and was used to point out to the judge that, hey, judge, The FBI hasn't been completely honest or forthcoming with all that they do have related to Seth Rich. They've kept some stuff back, and the Durham report proves that. So that was awesome, and I was really excited about it because that's the Durham report paying dividends in places where some folks may not expect it to. But today we got an order, and this order is in reply to um, motions by the FBI and motions by Huddleston. Both of them has have made filings for uh, a motion for clarification, where they're wanting they're wanting the judge to order the other to clarify exactly what they have in the case of the FBI, or clarify exactly what they want in the case of uh, Huddleston. Um, but the FBI says, or in the alternative, judge, if you won't give us a clarification, we would like this whole thing to be reconsidered. Because the FBI is trying to end it. The FBI has said, look, we've given you everything you asked for. There's nothing left for us to do. Everything else is exempt from FOIA. So this thing is basically done. And Huddleston is saying, no, 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 no. There's way more. Durham report proves it. And the FBI needs to turn it over. So today we get this order and the FBI is denied. They will not. This thing is not over. And Huddleston, the plaintiff, has been granted in part and denied in part with his motion. Now, I want to go through this thing. I don't know how long this little video is going to last, but there's some really interesting stuff in here. Um, I kind of know where to start. I'll, I just I already gave you the background on it. They've been going back and forth for a couple years. Uh, the last like major revelation in this case was back in January or December. Uh, I think it was December when it was revealed that the FBI possessed um, disk Im- discs that contain images like forensic imaging of Seth Rich's work laptop and his personal laptop. Plus they have some sort of tape. Plus they have a DVD. Plus they have some documents. Plus they have a report and letter that was issued by the third party who is yet to be named who did the imaging of Seth Rich's laptops. So they've been going back and forth on this. Huddleston has concern, like this right here. 
Huddleston has expressed concern that the FBI may have had physical custody over Seth Rich's personal laptop, which the FBI says they don't. They say they don't have it. Um, at one point, and then played hot potato by giving the laptop back to local police. The D.C. police, the Metropolitan Police, actually have possession, physical custody, of Seth Rich's personal laptop. But the FBI has his work laptop in evidence still. The unredacted version of the FD-302, the FBI's memo on this, uh, which the FBI did submit ex parte in camera, demonstrates that Huddleston's concern is unfounded. So the judge is saying, look, I looked at the FBI report. They're not, the FBI isn't playing hot potato with this item, which is good news. That's good news. Uh, Huddleston claims the FBI has made inconsistent statements as to whether it has reviewed or extracted information contained on the compact disc. This is another accusation from Huddleston. The FBI says, um, or it's clarified, that this issue by revealing that the FBI can, quote, typically identify the types and approximate volume of files on a compact disk without extracting the data. The FBI has tried to evaluate an approximate page count for the court, but it has not extracted or processed the information on the compact disk. And we'll get to why that's an issue a little bit later on in this thing. All right, so November 14th, 2022, Huddleston, this goes way back. Huddleston filed a motion for clarification regarding a prior order. Huddleston requested clarification regarding Seth Rich's work laptop because the prior order did not expressly address the work laptop. See, like they didn't really know that there was a personal and a work laptop. And the FBI was kept addressing one laptop without referring to the other. And it wasn't until it was revealed uh, that there were two different laptops that things really spiced up. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Why Kyle. do you have... Yeah, yeah. I'm totally interesting. Sorry. Um, okay, you know, you know what name is gonna? we need to be looking for, right? My hmm. favorite, my favorite, Awan. This is totally... Oh. Gonna well... I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking everything you're saying sounds completely tied in to well, what? You, you can't see the smile on my face but you're going to understand why that causes a smile on my face here in a little while okay, I'm <laughs> alright so there's um, in its response Huddles to Huddleston's motion the FBI noted that it had located additional items okay so just so everybody's aware the way this goes with FOIA my understanding is like you put in a FOIA request and you got to be fairly specific about it, but you can like say, hey, I want everything responsive to the FBI's investigation of this thing, including documents, memos, whatever. And then the FBI, like their FOIA department or whatever, does a search and says, okay, these things are responsive. We have this many items responsive to your request. And then there's a battle over what is redacted and what isn't redacted, what's exempt from FOIA request, what is not exempt. And that's where all... That's where the real battle happens. And uh, the FBI is saying, like, they do these searches of their database, and they're saying, okay, we located additional items. The first two items are a DVD and a tape drive. The FBI found these items stored in the same evidence room as the work laptop. The FBI also found a letter from a third party that accompanied the work laptop, two chain of custody forms, and a three-page report detailing actions by a third-party outside entity to image the work laptop. These three items were attached to the work laptop 
DVD and tape drive and not uploaded to the relevant electronic case file. The FBI does not want to put a lot of this stuff in the electronic case file. Um, and they make an argument for that later. Some people think that they're really hiding by not uploading it to the electronic case file. People are accusing them of hiding it. Um, but the FBI had some reasons for why they didn't want to do it. Um, I don't remember exactly where they were. And I already actually, I actually, actually, I don't remember if I thought they were good or bad reasons right now. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll skip this legal standard stuff. Go to the analysis. The FBI and Huddleston's motions raised three distinct issues. This is the judge, or this is the judge's order. One, the production of information relating to Seth Rich's laptop. Two, the production of information on Seth Rich's work laptop and associated documents. So that's the personal. This is on the work laptop. And three, the production of the letter from a third party that accompanied the work laptop, two chain of custody forms, and the three-page report detailing actions by a third party outside entity to image the work laptop. Because, because the way this judge writes this right here, it says a third party, but then down here it says a third party outside entity. I think we're talking about two different third parties. Because I think that if this third party up here was the same as this one, it would also add the phrase outside entity or descriptor outside entity. Because it doesn't, I think that these are two different third parties. All right, one clarification. The issue of whether the FBI and DOJ must produce information from the images of Seth Rich's personal laptop revolves around three issues. One, whether the FBI waived its arguments regarding the personal laptop. Two, whether FOIA Exemption 7D applies. That has to do with law enforcement purposes, like ongoing investigation or techniques, stuff like that. And three, whether FOIA Exemption 7E applies. Now, there's a footnote there. And there's number three. Before, footnote, before an agency can invoke any subpart of Exemption 7, including Exemption 7D and 7E, the agency must demonstrate that the records or information at issue were compiled for law enforcement purposes. Here, the records withheld by the FBI were created and compiled in furtherance of the FBI's role in the United States Office of Special Counsel investigation and related investigations. It does not name which special counsel. I would assume Robert Mueller, but it doesn't say. It could be Durham. It could be someone else. Uh, my bet would be either Mueller or Durham, leaning towards Mueller being the most likely, but possibly Durham. The FBI explains that, quote, these records were created and compiled to document the FBI's investigation of potential crimes and threat to national security. Thus, the FBI determined they were created and compiled for law enforcement purposes. Huddleston does not dispute that the records were compiled for law enforcement purposes. And the court sees no reason on the record to conclude otherwise. Thus, the court finds that the FBI has satisfied Exemption 7's threshold. If this is referring to John Durham, that is so fire. Because lots of people have been wondering why didn't Durham end up investigating the DNC hack, which would then lead him to investigating Seth Rich. None of that's in his report. Is it in the classified annex? I don't know. But this is titillating to me, I guess I could say. 
Um, or maybe I just really like that word. All right. The court will require the FBI and DOJ to produce a Vaughn index addressing the information they possess. The Vaughn index is like a spreadsheet. Not to get, I won't get technical. This is a spreadsheet that like details the evidence. That's basically what it is. All right. Waiver of arguments regarding Seth Rich's personal laptop. Huddleston argues the FBI waived its arguments that FOIA exemption 7D and 7E apply to Seth Rich's personal laptop because the FBI failed to raise these issues in its motion for summary judgment. In response, the FBI claims that it clearly asserted and explained the exemption in its summary judgment briefing, the Vaughn Index, and the declarations by Michael Seidel supporting summary judgment. Michael Seidel, I like, don't exactly understand what he does, I have to admit, but he's like this like uh, third party that comes in and gives information on FOIA. I, I don't understand exactly what it is, but I know his his filings in this case he's filing on the fbi's behalf but it's like those are the ones that are the most informative because it really goes into the nuts and bolts and mechanics of the foia and the information and evidence that the fbi has and why or why not some things are available a motion for reconsideration may not be used to introduce new arguments blah 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 the fifth circuit found blah 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 all right one more footnote the FBI also argues that, quote, FOIA cases can be decided on Vaughn Index alone or in conjunction with agency declarations and summary judgment briefing. However, the court does not reach this issue because the FBI raised arguments regarding FOIA Exemption 70 and 70 via the combination of summary judgment briefing, the fourth CIDL declaration, and its Vaughn Index, and no waiver occurred. What the judge is pointing out here, like this argument, that the FBI can make these decisions on FOIA cases with the Vaughn index alone. It's saying that like when the Vaughn index is, is created, which is like this giant spreadsheet index of all the evidence that they should, they can just look at that and determine whether or not a record is responsive to a FOIA request. They don't have to go and actually examine that record and try and dig up more detail on it. All right, the FBI raised arguments regarding both exemptions in its summary judgment briefing, its Vaughn Index for CIDL, etc. Quote, the FBI asserted 7D to withhold confidential source symbol numbers, identifying information and information provided by sources under both express and implied assurances of confidentiality, and information provided by a foreign government agency under an implied assurance of confidentiality. So. <laughs> we have an assurance of confidentiality to someone, but the foreign one, a foreign government agency, of course, is the most interesting. What? How does the Seth, Seth Rich laptop case connect to a foreign government agency? In what way does it connect? How, how does that happen? Pakistan, because if, if, if Awan is involved and he was giving all of the information that he was getting to the Pakistani government. That's one of the things that he was accused mm -hmm. of doing. So maybe it would tie to, tie to that country. I don't know. I, don't I know. think that's a possibility worth mentioning. I also think it's a possibility that it connects to the, uh, I think it was the Netherlands. Was it the Netherlands? I think their intel agency who got the uh, Russian communications that described the Loretta Lynch 
and Amanda Renteria memo. That inf- the information about the Amanda Renteria memo, which uh, was which details a description by Russian uh, FSB agents about an email they saw where Amanda Renteria is assuring uh, Hillary or is, is telling. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember who she communicated with now. Anyway, it's the source of the claim that Loretta Lynch and Hillary Clinton had a plan to bury the uh, the DNC hack, that they had an arrangement to not let it go too far, the investigation. So the reason we know about that is because of an intercept, I think, from the Netherlands. It's a European country. I'm pretty sure it's the Netherlands. Um, so I've, I've also wondered if it's that. Which, if it is, that really makes me think that this up here has to do with Durham because Durham got a grand jury together to get uh, interviews and documents and emails from George Soros Foundation. That's who it was. Amanda Renteria of the Clinton campaign was emailing uh, what's-his-face of the George Soros Open Society Foundation about Loretta Lynch's assurance to Hillary Clinton. The name starts with a B. I can't think of his name right now. All right. Next, in its summary judgment, specifically the FBI asserted 7E to protect FBI internal email addresses and non-public web addresses, sensitive investigative file numbers and subfile names, database information, code names for investigations, types and dates of investigations, collection and analysis of information, specific law enforcement techniques utilized to conduct national security investigations investigative focus of specific investigations and identities of an FBI unit squad and division that comes up a little later. The FBI further provided relatively more specific information for the general reasons why the FBI sought the exemptions. The FBI has not waived its arguments regarding the exemptions apply to the personal laptop. So he's just, he, the judge is deciding, um, the way I read it, the judge is saying is telling Huddleston, no, the FBI hasn't waived those exemptions. In its summary judgment briefing, the FBI indicated that it sought to apply exemption 7D and E to a wide array of records, which would include the personal laptop. The FBI provided more detailed explanations regarding why it applied the exemptions to the wide array of records. However, the Vaughn Index indicated that the FBI sought to apply the exemptions to the personal laptop. The combination of these facts clearly indicates to the court that the FBI raised arguments at the summary judgment stage that it sought to apply 7D and 7E to the personal laptop. So that's the judge is saying, sorry, Huddleston. Okay, the FBI claims that exemption 7D applies to the com- compact disk also, which is the disk containing the images of the personal laptop. I do not read this in the context of other filings I've read. I don't read that to mean act like pictures of the laptop. I think it's a forensic images. Uh, hopefully everybody knows what that means. Um, it's a it's a forensic copy of the entire laptop that you can't edit. Uh, it's basically like a copy and paste of it, but it's one that can't be edited. Nothing can be deleted and moved around. Uh, because the local law enforcement provide the compact, di- compact disc to the FBI under implied assurance of confidentiality, Footnote, the FBI further lists a portion of its motion for summary judgment as a basis for Exemption 7D. 
However, this portion of its summary judgment does not specifically address how 7D applies to the personal laptop. So the judge caught the FBI and said, nah, you're failing on that right there. It doesn't specifically address it. The FBI argues an implied assurance of confidentiality exists because, one, the information and assistance provided would disclose their agency's law enforcement techniques or details about law enforcement techniques that are not publicly known. And two, the information provided in some instances concerns the law enforcement agency's own confidential sources. Further, the FBI claims that disclosure of the information could, one, jeopardize the FBI's techniques and procedures that would allow criminals to predict and circumvent use of these techniques and procedures, two, discredit these state and local law enforcement authorities with current and future confidential sources, and greatly hinder their ability to recruit their own valuable sources. And three, subject the agency's personnel to violent reprisal. I find that really interesting because who who is going to do violence to Metro Police based on something being revealed in the Seth Rich FOIA case? It kind of leads me to think that the FBI is aware who, of who did violence to Seth Rich. And they are worried that further revealing other confidential sources and people involved with what Seth Rich was involved in would result in a similar act being done to them. And one of the reasons I think this is because I subscribe to the theory that Seth Rich was. Um, I think Seth Rich was a confidential source himself. And I think that he realized <clears throat> that the DNC left the door open for them to be hacked by Russians because they wanted that narrative. And that Hillary wanted to go to war with Russia. That the DN everything was gearing up for a conflict with Russia. And so, and part of that was to fake a DNC hack by the Russians. And the way they faked it was to actually make it happen by leaving the door open for the Russians to come in. And I think Seth Rich realized that and was cooperating with an investigation into an intrusion into the DNC servers. And he was taken out for it. So were there others? who were also confidential sources that were aware of some of this. I don't know, but I find that fascinating that they have a, they claim there's a concern about violent reprisal. Of course, the, the could be a one. <laughs> Is that well, they're worried about a one. <laughs> it could also be because, you know, the rumor was that MS 13 was involved in his murder, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so, I'm sitting here tying a bunch of stuff together. I've been real into the um, the Durham Jr. stuff and watching all that he's been doing with the Vulcan task force and with MS-13. I wonder if this ties to Durham Jr. and to MS-13. And that's another angle. If I take away the Awan, the Awan stuff, I don't know, just something to think about. Well, I think it definitely goes to MS-13 because I do think that he was, that MS-13 was involved in this. 
but I, I kind of think, um, I don't know. I'm, I kind of wonder if the, the way MS 13 is involved in this is through mercenary hacker groups and mercenary, um, paramilitary groups who then paid or instructed MS 13 to do the hit so that it would be low life, mm-hmm. you know, gang bangers that were held accountable and not them. They didn't actually do it themselves. Right. Right. Um, well, that's, that's a good. Hang on. I'm just keeping all the angles in my head. So I'm just gonna there's a, I've never been able to find it, but, uh, Sergeant Friday has, he's, sh- he showed it on his, one of his shows before which he deleted all his shows now, but he showed the article around the same time that Seth Rich was uh, gunned down. There was a firefight between, uh, there was a, there was a firefight with automatic weapons between MPD, I think, and um, a group that were like, it was also, it was like the same night or the night before or the night after it was around the, it was within days of Seth Rich murder, but there was some firefight with these guys with automatic weapons and it got buried and there's his thought was that those were actually the the people responsible for taking out seth rich and that they were um foreign agents in the u.s who conducted a hit by paying and instructing ms-13 to go do it for them and that they were being the fbi and mpd or somebody was chasing them down and trying to capture them and it resulted in a firefight one day I'm going to find that article about it. There was a news re- there were news reports about it at the time, but now I can't find any of them. All right. Um, all right. He says the FBI has not reasonably inferred that the source provided the laptop on an assurance of confidentiality. Also, it shows disclosure of the laptop's contents would cause harm to a to the local law enforcement agency or officer that provided the laptop to the FBI. find that pretty strange the the fp the the mpd officer who provided it to the fbi is under some kind of threat from who all these years later why is he under threat huddleston huddleston further claims that this case is comparable to bagwell versus united states doj and bagwell the court refused to treat pennsylvania state university as a confidential source under 7d the court viewed Penn State as a large and well-represented public institution, a far cry from the witness to a gang-related murder. The Supreme Court offered as an example in USDOJ versus Landonau, or Landano. Huddleston argues that the same principle should apply to prevent a law enforcement agency from being treated as a confidential source, uh, as it is also a large and well-represented public institution. He speculates that the source of the compact disc is a detective of the Metropolitan Police Department and a former assistant United States attorney. Interesting. Exemption 7D protects information from disclosure. I wonder if he's a protected person now. Like this, whoever this is, is like, I don't know, like witness protection program or something. Reasonably, he expected to, or reasonably be expected, uh, information from the disclosure that could reasonably be expected to disclose the identity of a confidential source. This is what Exemption 7D is, Uh, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Under 7D, the question is not whether the requested document is of the type that the agency usually treats as confidential, 
but whether the particular source spoke with the understanding that the communication would remain confidential. A source may be confidential under an express assurance of confidentiality or in circumstances from which an assurance could be reasonably inferred. The nature of the crime that was investigated in the source's relation to it doesn't impact the confidentiality factors. All right, techniques. Two of the FBI's bases for finding that an implied assurance of confidentiality exists relate to the source agency's investigative techniques and procedures. These bases mirror Exemption 7, which protect information that would disclose techniques and law enforcement investigations and prosecutions if such disclosure reasonably could be expected to risk circumvention of the law. If an agency attempts to demonstrate an implied assurance of confidentiality under 7D based on a need to protect the other agency's investigative techniques and procedures, then the agency's explanation must meet the requirements of 7E. The FBI's bases are, on the, are based on the source agency's investigative technique and procedures fail to meet the requirements of 7E. The FBI's explanations only reveal that the source agency's investigative techniques and procedures are not publicly known, and their disclosure would, quote, allow criminals to predict and circumvent the use of these techniques and procedures. These bases are conclusory and do not provide at least some explanation of what procedures are involved or how they would be disclosed. Two of the FBI's bases for finding an implied assurance confidentiality exists deal with the source agency's confidential sources and the agency's ability to recruit confidential sources in the future. These bases suggest that the FBI should be able to treat its source as confidential because its source's source was confidential. However, the FBI provides no explanation for why the ultimate source is confidential. An agency may not justify its assertion of Exemption 7D by claiming that its source's source was confidential without further explanation. So the judge is saying, not good enough. You got to give me more. To show an implied assurance of confidentiality, the FBI must demonstrate an inference of confidentiality based on narrowly defined circumstances. Narrowly defined circumstances cannot consist solely of describing an agency's source as having a confidential source. Otherwise, an agency could effectively bypass the requirements of Landano by simply labeling its ultimate source as confidential. Therefore, the FBI's two bases of asserting Exemption 7D based on the source agency's confidential sources are insufficient. That's a win right there, guys. That's a win. The threat of retaliation. Okay. The FBI's final basis for asserting Exemption 70 is that its source agency's personnel may face, quote, violent reprisal. However, the FBI provides no explanation as to how the disclosure of the compact disk containing images of the personal laptop could subject its source agency's personnel to violent reprisal. I, can, I have a guess here. I think the how that the judge is getting to and saying, look, FBI, you haven't given us the how is that the source that would be subject to violent reprisal is the personnel at MPD who was handling Seth Rich. Like I said earlier, I think Seth Rich was a confidential human source. And I think that he had a handler at the FBI. I think now after because of where his laptop came from the path it took of cut like its chain of custody 
came from MPD. I think he was also a source to the Metropolitan Police Department. And so the person who gave the laptop to the FBI is his handler. And the reason he would face violent reprisal for doing this is because his confidential human source faced violent reprisal. That makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to y'all, but it makes sense to me. All right. For a threat of retaliation against a source or a source's employees to constitute a valid basis, the circumstances must suggest a threat of retaliation. The FBI does not describe any circumstances connected to the potential disclosure of records related to the personal laptop that suggest a threat of retaliation for its source agency's employees. The mere listing of potential violent reprisal is insufficient to suggest potential retaliation. Therefore, the FBI's final basis does not suggest an implied assurance of confidentiality exists. So the judge says, sorry, not by it. You can't just claim that without backing it up to me. All right, Helson's analogy to Bagwell, we're going to skip that. The FBI argues that the unredacted version of the FD-302 would further justify its assertion. However, the unredacted version of the FD-302 does not suggest to the court that an implied assurance of confidentiality exists regarding the compact disc containing those images of the laptop between the FBI and local law enforcement. Okay. Where does this footnote go to? The footnotes are always so important in these filings. The FBI justifies its withholding of records from the personal laptop under Exemption 7E as well to protect the methods it uses to collect and analyze information. Footnote, the FBI further lists a portion of its motion for summary judgment. However, this portion of its summary judgment does not specifically address (laughs) Exemption 7E. The, release, the FBI claims the release of this information would disclose the identity of methods used in the collection and analysis of information, including how and from where the FBI collects information and the methods employed to analyze it once collected. In response, Huddleston argues that the FBI's justification for using Exemption 70 is insufficient because it does not give any explanation of the procedures involved or how they would be disclosed. FOIA Exemption 7E exempts from disclosure information that would disclose techniques and procedures for law enforcement investigations or prosecutions if such disclosure could reasonably be expected to risk circumvention of the law. But it's in its entirety the FBI's explanation. Okay. To satisfy the requirements of 7E, the agency must at least provide some explanation of what procedures are involved and how they would be disclosed. The FBI's justification for withholding the files of the, on the images in the personal laptop neither provides some explanation of what procedures are involved nor how they would be disclosed. The FBI fails there. The court is not persuaded that disclosure of this material could reasonably be expected to risk cir- circumvention of the law. Footnote. The FBI also argues that the unredacted version of the FD-302 would ju- further justify its assertion of Exemption 70. However, the unredacted version of 302 provides to the court neither some explanation of what procedures are involved nor how they would be disclosed. The judge is really not buying what the FBI is selling. Thus, the Huddleston is entitled the Huddleston. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Thus, Huddleston is entitled to summary judgment on this issue. The government shall produce a Vaughn index addressing the information it possesses on the compact disc containing images of Seth Rich's personal laptop 
that is responsive to plaintiff's FOIA request. Boom. Footnote. In his motion for summary judgment, Huddleston specifically requested that the FBI, quote, search the computers and disk identified in Michael G. Seidel's declaration for responsive records, including metadata, then process any responsive records for production and or in-camera review. Clarification regarding Seth Rich's, Seth Rich's work laptop. The court will require the FBI and DOJ to produce a Vaughn index relating to Seth Rich's work laptop. Boom. The DVD. Boom. And the tape drive. Boom. Because these items are agency records. The FBI asserts that the items are not agency records and thus not subject to FOIA. Huddleston argues that the items are agency records and thus subject to FOIA. FOIA confers jurisdiction on district courts, blah, 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 blah. Legalese, the fifth court has not yet adopted a test to evaluate this matter. The FBI urges the court to analyze whether the agency had control over the items, blah, blah, blah. We're going to skip all that because it's late. I'm not going to read every word of this thing. An important consideration discussed in tax analysts, blah, blah, blah. That's all interesting stuff probably, but I'm going to skip it. The court will apply the Roja test to determine whether the work laptop, DVD, and tape drive are agency records within the context of FOIA. Given the numerous issues with the Burka test and its tension with tax analysts, the court will not apply the Burka test. The Rojas test accounts for these issues and considers the distinction between the agencies. So applying the Roja test, the work laptop, the DVD, and the tape drive are agency records and subject to FBI's control as required under second prong of the test for whether an item is an agency record. Uh, footnote, by the way, the court would reach the same result under the Burka test. Nice. Nice. So that helps the judge right there in justifying it because he's saying either, no matter which test I chose, this you would have to produce this stuff. Undoubtedly, the FBI is in possession of the items as it stores them in an evidence control room. The FBI emphasizes that the items are all evidentiary items belonging to non-governmental third parties. Although these items are all considered evidentiary property, quote, managed under a different set of rules and regulations than actual agency records, this circumstance does not demonstrate that the items are kept for reasons unrelated to the FBI's transaction of public business. Next, the FBI notes that it does not have the right to use and dispose of the items as it sees fit because they are governed by the Digital Evidence Policy Guide. Therefore, the FBI must ultimately return these items to their, quote, rightful owners when all criminal proceedings have terminated. So that tells you, and we already knew this from other filings, but this right here, it tells you that Seth Rich's work laptop, personal laptop, the DVD, the tape drive, all of this stuff is evidence in an ongoing criminal matter. And now most people think that is the um, the folks who got indicted for uh from by Mueller for the hack of the DNC, and it probably is, but that doesn't mean it's the only case. That doesn't mean it's the only criminal matter that these things are evidence in. These claims suggest that although the FBI may not have absolute control, it possesses the ability to use the items within the bounds of the Digital Evidence Policy Guide. I think I think the agent the um, the non governmental agency who has um <coughs> the non the non-governmental third party is the DNC because the DNC would own the work laptop, right? Uh, but then 
the Seth Rich's personal laptop is probably owned by his family, right? Um, and then the reports are coming from a third party as well. But they're in evidence, and the FBI possesses them and keeps them in an evidence room. The FBI provides two additional facts under its analysis of whether the items are agency records for the purpose of FOIA. The FBI claims it found no indication that the FBI relied on content of the work laptop, DVD, or tape drive. Not yet, anyway. This fact supports a finding that the items are not agency records. Finally, the FBI found that the items were not incorporated into its file system or files. As Roja diminished the Burka test focused on integration of records, this fact has a neutral impact on whether the items are agency records. Overall, the FBI has not met its burden to demonstrate that the work laptop, the DVD, and the tape drive are not agency records under the Rohad test. Therefore, the Huddleston is entitled to summary... Why is he calling him the Huddleston? <laughs> Huddleston is entitled to summary judgment on the issue. Huddleston specifically requested that the court order the FBI to produce a Vaughn index for the metadata and the records contained on the items. The court orders the FBI to produce a Vaughn index addressing the information it possesses on Seth Rich's work laptop, DVD, and tape drive. Boom. Production of newly found. Oh, yeah, and the Vaughn index must address the metadata contained within Seth Rich's work laptop. That is going to be juicy. All right, the court will not require the FBI and DOJ to produce the letter from a third party that accompanied the work laptop two chain of custody forms and a three-page report detailing actions by a third party outside entity to image the work laptop. I kind of wonder if that is a crowd strike because Michael Sussman handed the work laptop to CrowdStrike, right? But CrowdStrike actually never had full control over it, uh, they said. They were only given certain things. They weren't given full access. So maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's not CrowdStrike, but it's the go-between. It's been a long time since I've thought about this case. Uh but CrowdStrike was not given everything. They were given only as much... They, they were given like a report that was done by another agency to analyze. CrowdStrike was also brought in, if I, if I remember right, to examine the security of the DNC, and they found that it was woefully insufficient. And that's, that goes to my theory that the DNC was left insecure or unsecured on purpose. Um, all right, under Exemption 7A, the FBI may withhold these records. Compiled for law enforcement purposes, but only to the extent of the records of information. As previously stated, before an agency can invoke subpart B, here the records withheld by the FBI created, created and compiled in furtherance of the FBI's role in the United States Special Counsel investigation and related investigations. That's like a copy-paste of the previous a footnote that we read. Okay. The FBI argues that the release of any information concerning this investi investigation, including within newly found documents, would be premature because the defendants, in, the defendants, the indicted na Russian nationals, are fugitives and various harms would result. 
The FBI claims that these individuals would, be, would acquire the unique advantage of knowing certain details, which could be used to escape prosecution and thwart current investigative efforts by altering or counteracting evidence, changing behavior, intimidating or physically harming witnesses or law enforcement officials and or flight. The FBI further claims that this information would allow third parties who are not directly related to this matter to interfere with the investigative efforts, intimidation, create false evidence, etc. So this new information they're talking about, this newly found documents would be premature. The release of them would be premature because the defendants, the indicted Russians from the Mueller special counsel office, our fugitives and various harms would result. Interesting. Huddleston responds by arguing the FBI's claims are boilerplate and conclusory. Additionally, Huddleston claims that the FBI cannot on one hand say that they did not rely on the newly found documents while at the same time say that the documents are essential for the prosecution of Russian intelligence agents. That, that is true. By the way, they don't mean newly found like suddenly these documents were found and nobody knew they existed. They meant newly found. I think they mean newly found like they were newly revealed as responsive to Huddleston's FOIA request. There is a general recognition, although it could be different. Oh, I won't speculate anymore. There is a general recognition among courts that prematurely releasing certain information under FOIA may interfere with enforcement proceedings against fugitives. That's true. The FBI has provided a sufficient explanation to withhold the documents under FOIA, the judge has found. So that's a win for the FBI. Further, the FBI has sufficiently described the enforcement proceeding at issue and how disclosure of the newly found documents could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings. Okay, so these newly found documents are juicy. I would really like to see them. The court does not find the FBI's arguments to be boilerplate and conclusory. The two points that Huddleston notes from Siles' sixth affidavit in isolation would be boilerplate and conclusory because these statements would go little further than reiterating the basic requirements. Contrary to Huddleston's arguments, a law enforcement agency does not necessarily have to rely on information for its disclosure to, be, to reasonably interfere with an enforcement proceeding. However, the FBI has described in sufficient detail how the public disclosure of the newly found documents could reasonably be expected to interfere with said enforcement proceeding regardless of its reliance on newly found documents. Thus, the FBI finds that, or the court finds the FBI properly withheld these documents. Okay. Timeline of disclosure. The FBI must process hundreds of thousands of documents to comply with this memorandum opinion and order. The F, okay, now I, I want to make clear, like this is where we can all celebrate because the judge in this case is ordering the FBI to disclose hundreds of thousands of pages of documents. So we're talking about massive Seth Rich disclosure here that the judge is ordering. So yay, big yay. But the FBI request about 67 years to produce the documents relating to the personal laptop alone. Footnote. The FBI requests to produce the documents relating to the personal laptop at a rate of 500 documents per month and estimates that about 400,000 documents exist. 
this would result in a production schedule of about 66.7 years. Now, a lot of people are making fun of this and saying that the FBI is using this as a delay tactic, blah, 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 and I can totally understand why they're saying that. But what you have to keep in mind is there's not all that many people who actually do this work. There's not very many people who are in the office processing these FOIA requests, doing the redactions, and then publishing them. And this is not the only FOIA case going on. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of FOIA cases going on, all going to the FBI requesting this stuff. And the FOIA backlog is massive. So even though this seems ridiculous, and it is ridiculous to an extent, the question it's as I remember when the FBI made this filing to the judge and said, look, if we're going to have to produce all this stuff, it's going to take us this long. We can't just give it to you all at once like a month from now. It's far too much material for us to process. And names have to be redacted. Information related to like personal information have to be has to be redacted. It all has like all this stuff has to happen. It all has to be processed. Each page of it has to be processed. And somebody has to sit there and do it. And so they said, can we just do 500 documents per month? Now, just put it in context here or in perspective. If this, if this thing simply said, the FBI is ordered to produce 500 documents by the end of the month related to the Seth Rich laptop investigation, we would all be excited about that. We would all be like, heck yeah, 500 documents related to, FBI, to this. Yeah, like, we, like that would sound like that would be huge. So I don't really see this as a problem where the FBI is using this as a delay tactic. I see this actually as kind of another reason to celebrate because this indicates just how big, how voluminous the Seth Rich investigation, what the material on the laptops, like all of this is. There's so much there. And probably a lot of it we don't care about. Like, I don't know what all is in the laptop. Like it could, there could most, like it could be that 95% of the stuff on the personal laptop has nothing to do with what anything we're interested in, right? Like half of it could be Seth Rich's gaming history or something, like his Steam apps. I don't know, but the FBI can only produce so many at a time. And I think this is actually just a logistics issue and a manpower issue more so than it is the FBI using this as a delay tactic. I'm sure many people are going to disagree with me, especially people in MAGA media. Um, but yeah, that's what I think. And I, the process, what the FBI can do about it, I don't know. The, um, the amount of money that they have to spend on that, that side of things is limited. And I think it's statutory. I think that Congress approves so much money to go into FOIA. And I know for a fact that some of our favorite people, I'm pretty sure, including Ezra Cohen-Watnick, have gone to bat trying to get Congress to spend more money on FOIA disclosure, on processing this stuff, on handling redactions and exemptions, because he's run into the same problem at the uh, PIDB. All right, so wrapping this up, conclusion. This is the judge's orders. With the exceptions of Seth Rich's work laptop, DVD, tape drive, and the compact disc containing images of Seth Rich's personal laptop, 
which are responsive to Huddleston's FOIA request, the court finds the government properly withheld or redacted information responsive to Huddleston's request in accordance with FOIA exemptions. And this is a real quick aside to you guys. One of the reasons that I posted uh, about this development tonight as quickly as I could was because I suspect that there's a lot of people who love doing clickbait, black pill, doomerism media for the right are going to screenshot this right here and they're going to tell people that the court sided with the FBI. They're going to misinterpret this, this paragraph. And the reason I say that is because I have seen MAGA influencers and MAGA media do exactly that dozens of times this year where they take good news and they try and twist it into bad news and hope that their audience suffers from poor reading comprehension. Because what the judge is saying here is that everything besides all of the stuff we care about <laughs> is properly withheld. But this stuff, nope, you got to turn it over. So it's ordered that the defendant FBI's motion for clarification is denied. It is further ordered the plaintiff's motion for clarification is granted in part and denied in part. It is further ordered that the government shall produce a Vaughn index addressing the information it possesses on the compact disk containing images of Seth Rich's personal laptop. It is further ordered that the government shall produce a Vaughn index addressing the information it possesses on Seth Rich's work laptop, the DVD, and the tape drive. The Vaughn index must also address the metadata contained within Seth Rich's work laptop. Uh, that would be the one that was used to pilfer data from the DNC. And what can you do with metadata? A whole lot. You can find out just about everything from the metadata. It is further ordered that the FBI and Brian Huddleston shall get together and they shall recommend to the court a timeline for the disclosure of information on Seth Rich's personal laptop, work laptop, DVD, and tape drive within 14 days. So, I, I don't know that the FBI will fight this. I mean, I've seen them fight other things in this case and have a go back, go back and forth between uh, the judge, and I've seen them win and I've seen them lose if I recall correctly. Um, but someone asked me on true social after I posted this, what's your confidence that the FBI will actually comply with the order? And my confidence is high because I've seen them comply with other orders from this judge. And we've learned a lot from this case. And it looks like the judge just ordered the FBI to disclose. I mean, that's what it is. The judge is ordering the FBI to disclose a lot here. Um, the Vaughn Index isn't everything, but this is a huge, huge step to getting everything. So, big reason to celebrate. And that's what I wanted to show you guys in the chat tonight. So, remember this is recorded, so if anybody wants to speak right now, you're welcome to speak. Just remember that I am recording this. And the recording will be available uh, for people. What do you think, Karma? I'm, I'm going to have to think on it. That's a lot of information. I can see a couple of angles. Yeah, it's exciting, though. I think it's good news. We haven't had any Seth Rich news in a long time. I mean, it just makes me think of the drops. And if we're hearing his name, I guess what I'm going to go do tonight. Ooh, is there a Delta? Drops. 
I don't that's know. A, I don't know if there's a delta. That's a good idea. But I'm going to go look and just see how the, anything you said might tie into the drops somehow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was last year on the twenty on the yesterday last year we got the uh, the new drops. Forgot that Q posted just a year ago yesterday. Okay. Are there any deltas for? There's none for today. What about tomorrow? Oh, Snow White utilized activated to silence. This was not anticipated. Control protection lost. Routing through various networks, jumpers randomly has created connection security issues. Working to resolve, select the people remove. Stay strong. We are winning more to follow Q. And then there's this picture it says, We know. Senate locked, Supreme Court locked. Okay. Is, uh, is this case is this case in DC or where is it? It's, um, it's actually in Texas. In Texas, okay. okay. It's in the Eastern District of Texas. Hmm. Okay. Noted. I want to see. So I looked at tomorrow, November twenty ninth. What about November 30th? Oh. Ah, why is my... Oh, I had number lock off. Okay. Let's look a little bit ahead and see if there's anything about DNC or Seth Rich or Hack. That's the Kisliak phone call. There's this drop. Look here, Russia. Do not look here, China. With 43 minutes of fake news, will never report. Facts matter. Clinton Foundation whistleblower. Okay, what is this one? Mueller removed via D-class. Mueller will face charges for Uranium One. He's working to save himself. Q. Why do the Clintons remain in control of many still in power? Blackmail. The Clinton family is working overtime. Panic in D.C. Nothing can stop what is coming. Nothing. Uh, hey, this mentioned Seth Rich. Well, not Seth Rich by name, but it, this right here mentions uh, Mueller and D party based false narrative re Russia collusion. Ongoing investigation. And when you said, when you read, I don't know what, what you said, somebody couldn't his name couldn't be revealed or something because of an ongoing criminal investigation. Yeah. Maybe look up the drop that says maybe search ongoing criminal investigation. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to finish this day. 
Okay. Foundation. Or I can go look at it. Muller designed to demonstrate to foreign players that old guard pulls still pulls the strings. Kayfabe. Okay, December sixteenth. Hey, December six. Oh, that's about fourteen days from now. Not quite, but that's about 14 days from now. Here's a delta. The swamp runs deep. The swamp runs deep. DNC servers hold many answers. Scaramucci model. DNI and NSA. Awan. DWS. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. D Congress. House of Cards. You didn't think the plea deal was the end, did you? That's talking about Awan. The Department yeah. of Justice said this month that it could not release records on Democrat technology aid in Ron Awan due to technical difficulties. But later admitted in court documents that it could not release records on him because there is a secret ongoing case related oh, to the matter. Bingo! Yeah. Hey, 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 karma. Hey, hey, hey. It's exciting. <clears throat> and that is, that's not, December 16th. That's not that far. That's not, I mean, that's what, like 18 days away I'm or 17 days? All over this tonight. Yeah. After I get everybody in my house settled down. Let's see. I love, I love, dude, dude, we got to remember this karma because if the first production in this case, or there's some filing on the Delta minus one or plus one on this, from this drop. So if December 15th, 16th, 17th, something happens in the Huddleston case, it's a hit on this drop. And also, I mean, during the time of the drops, um, I mean, Trump tweeted about it, about the Pakistani guy and all of mm -hmm. that several times. I'm going to pay attention to what Trump's saying, too, and see if he, wouldn't it be amazing if he, like, drops some kind of a wine calm or something? I don't know. And yeah, if, you, if, if he posted, like, whatever happened to that a wine guy? The Pakistani guy! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, December 7th, another ongoing investigation. That's Clinton Foundation.
I think Shandetti is trying to speak, but maybe she's on earphones and it's not working oh. for her. Oh, yeah. I see that she's unmuted, but we're not hearing her. I noticed that it was happening to me because I, I chimed in a few times with my earphones on and it didn't work. So now it's working because I'm not on earphones. Weird. Yeah, I'm using desktop app. Um, I've never tried using, I've never tried speaking in Telegram from my phone. The options for me on my tablet says uh, th that I can use a, uh, uh, what's the word, the uh, earphones with the microphone in uh -huh. headset, but I don't have that. So it wasn't working when I had my earphones on. So if Sean Diddy wants to try it with, without earphones. And I'm using my phone and you have to go to the settings on the Telegram app. Uh, it's an Apple phone and you have to allow access to your microphone and allow access to something else. Anyway, I had to do that. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Kama. Hey, now we hear you. I know. I didn't even know you were having a chat today. So, or I guess it's nighttime, your time. But yeah, hey. just, uh, just spur of the moment, just impromptu. That's great. It's great. Uh, just, it's a busy day for me, but it's so wonderful to hear you. And you, Kama, your voice, it's amazing. <laughs> very I'm very country compared to y'all. <laughs> I know. And that's <laughs> Texas, isn't it? It's amazing. Set Rich is on the drop on the left right now. You're right. You're right. Where's the Delta? Okay, this is an April 4th drop. Sweet. Carter Page was a plant. Yes, Carter Page was a plant by the good guys. That is true. Sorry, Shandali, I didn't want to interrupt you, but they were looking for that rich. You know, oh, good. I've just done. Um, I'd have to run to catch up. I'm just going to listen. Metadata. It mentions MS NSA metadata. Yeah, the no direct investigation in the DNC computer and software. That's what I was referring to earlier, where they didn't actually get to go hands on. They just got the report. Yet the FBI too. They got the forensic images, but they weren't allowed to go in and do their usual investigation. Um, a one. There we go. A one attached. You know, it's one of, one of the proofs to me that <clears throat> FBI DOJ are not like completely black hat controlled and whatnot is that the DNC didn't bring the FBI into the DNC hack investigation, right? Like if the FBI was totally corrupt and black hat, 
and deep state, then wouldn't they have brought wouldn't they have brought the FBI in to do a full investigation of the DNC hack so that they could cover it up? Definitely. And also, I mean, Grinnell, at least five times I've seen him in interviews, make sure that we know that it's the top of the FBI that's so corrupt, that there's really good people. It's just, it's the top, which is why all the drops talk about, got to clean it, clean out the top. So yeah. Yeah, Seventh floor. I don't think it's all, it's all bad either. I agree. I, I think the turn is starting. I mean, I thought this a while back because we saw we saw some blips in this direction, but today, well, last night, Trump's filing specifically is requesting information from FBI agents that were on the ground in J6, not because they were agitators, but because they were there running a sting op, catching the agitators. So like Trump's legal filing goes directly against this Fed surrection narrative, which has always been a lie. And so I think that like the usefulness of that narrative has been exhausted and things are starting to turn a bit for those who want to see it anyway. I agree. And we can't, I mean, I think people skip over the foreign aspect of January 6th too. I think we're going to find out Uh that there were a lot of foreign actors involved. That's in the, that's in the filing too. Oh, is it? Okay. Yep. Yep, it's in the filing too. We're going to read it tomorrow on the show. Okay, score. And then then definitely discuss it tomorrow night on Devolution Power Hour. Um, We also got Trump's Twitter search warrant today and affidavit and non-disclosure order and a bunch of, dude, like 500 pages of documents dropped today. (laughs) I need everything to slow down. Okay. Well, that's what I wanted to show you guys. And with that, we can, um, here, let me, let me go ahead and I'll end the recording. So I don't know what I'm going to do with this recording. Um, Oh wait, I can't, can I just end the recording, but still keep this up? Stop recording. Yes, I can. Okay. Stopping recording now. Do you want to stop recording the video?